Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in your presence, we are bringing before you our praises and our thanksgiving and our needs, our requests, our burdens of our heart. Lord, we bring them to you because we know that you've told us to bring them and that you're there to answer. Father, we thank you for that privilege. We thank you for that wonderful gift that we can come and do that. So, Lord, I pray now that as all of these have come before you, they poured out their hearts to you. That, Father, you would work in their lives, that you would work miraculously to bring about things that only you could do. And that, Lord, when it's all said and done, that we would stand in awe of you, that we would marvel at all the things that you do in our lives. We give you the remainder of the service. We pray now that as we look into your word, that, Father, you would open it up to us, that your Holy Spirit would just fill our hearts with joy and excitement, that, Lord, you would teach us something today that would draw us closer to you in a more intimate relationship. Lord, that is our prayer. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all return to your seats, if you will. I want to thank all of you for being taking part in that, and uh, I just hope that this is a meaningful time for you. CR's having a little trouble getting up, but that's okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Cliff's talking about our prayer meeting that we do on Wednesday nights. We had about 25 people there last past Wednesday. We have, we had set it up to do it just for five weeks as a sort of a test, and everybody seemed to really enjoy it and it's beneficial. So we are continuing that on, and it's at 6:30 here on Wednesday night, back in the room there as you come in the door. Pardon? It's awesome. Well, we have a good time. And uh, just a fun time together, and we pray together, and it's good. I want to encourage all of you to be a part of that. You know, uh, I don't know that anyone enjoys fighting. Uh, I think that we, most of us would run from that. We would avoid conflict. We just mostly want to mind our own business and be left alone for the most part. I don't, you know, want to fight with anybody or anything like that. However, when it comes to Christians, we are in a fight. And you may not realize that, but you're in a fight whether you want it or not. And the enemy that you're fighting against is really the source of most of all of your problems. Either directly or indirectly, this enemy that you're fighting against is the problem in your life, uh, in your family. It has destroyed lives, relationships, family. It has done so much havoc over the centuries of time. This is unbelievable. Now, Paul, the New Testament writer of so many books in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he knew about this fight all too well. He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. In other words, he likens this to a fight. He calls it that. He says, look, I've fought the good fight. I've spent my whole life fighting against this enemy and, and taking my stand. And now as we think about that, the question that least comes to my mind is, okay, then what is this fight all about? Who am I fighting and how do I win this thing? Because I may not want to fight, I may not look for a fight, but if I'm in one, boy, I want to win it, right? And so let's talk about that today. We're going to be looking in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about the armor of God. Now, we've talked about this before in times past, and you may be wondering, okay, we're in the middle of a series on prayer, so how does this fit into that series on prayer? Well, I'm going to show you as we go through this today. And talk about that a little bit. And I want you to um, 
understand how important this is. This may very well be the most important concept that you can grasp or come to grips with or come to realize and and to begin to apply to your life because this has uh, application in so many areas of our lives. So I'm asking you to listen to me very carefully, read the scriptures that you see, and just allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and to try to guide you through this concept, this teaching on spiritual warfare and the armor of God and what this is all about. There are three facts, three truths that I want you to get today, okay? And I'm going to, as we go through this, I'm going to give you these. Three things that you walk away from here with saying, okay, these three things I needed to learn, I needed to hear, now I need to apply them. I need to understand them. The first one is this. It's very important that you understand that this is a spiritual fight. You are in a spiritual fight. Now, what does that mean? Well, it just means that what you're fighting against is not human, and it's not something that you can see. We're in a spiritual battle. Now, if you could peel away, and just think about this for a moment, if you could peel away the curtain that is between the natural world that we can see and feel and the spirit world that we don't see and sometimes feel, but not that often, but are aware of, and we know that it's real because of Scripture, if I could peel that away, what would I see? What would I see if I could just roll it back and look and peer into the spiritual realm and see what would be there? Well, first of all, you'd see spiritual beings, angels. You'd see those. But you would also see demons. Now, see, this is something that when you mention the word, all conjures up all kinds of images and ideas of things that we've seen in TV and movies and so forth. But the, even though there are times when we think to ourselves, well, this isn't real, and we try to convince ourselves that's not real, the Bible portrays a very different picture because the Bible tells you that this, this realm, this spirit world, is very real. And that if we could peel it back, this is what we would see. But not only that, we would also see the influence that the spirit world has on our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and, and you know, I can't explain it. I don't know how this works, but I know from Scripture that it's true. And that is that in the spirit world, the demonic influence in your life is stronger than we give credit for. I believe with all my heart that so many of us are led astray because of thoughts that come into our minds, not necessarily voices we hear, but things that just pop into our imagination, desires that all of a sudden just pop in, and, and it just tends to grow and become stronger, and we wonder, how in the world did that happen? How did I begin to think that? Where did that thought come from? And we realize from Scripture that it comes from that spirit world, the demonic influence that's there. We usually just call it Satan because he is a real being, but Satan very he doesn't have the attribute of omnipresence. He doesn't he's not able to go and harass you and me at the same time. He doesn't have that quality. But the millions upon millions of demonic beings that are at his disposal do. And so together they make up this world that is the spirit world that you and I have to deal with. Now, it's, an, it's kind of interesting. I like to use illustrations to try to help us to realize what it's like. How many of you remember the old movie? It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from years ago. 
And yes, I like movies like that, so don't, you know. It was called The Predator. Remember that movie, Predator? Yeah. All right, Arnold's down in the jungles of South America, he and some other soldiers, and they are fighting against drug cartels and things like that. And they encounter a being that's from outer space that was hunting in the jungles of South America. Now, okay, it's science fiction, okay, but just listen to me, all right, because I'm going to make an illustration here. So the unique quality about this being, even though he was ugly as sin, but the unique quality about this out from guy from outer space is that he had the ability to cloak his appearance. Now, it was, you know, mechanical, but through bending light and so forth, he was able to push a button and he would disappear. Now, he could come up beside somebody and be standing behind one of these guys and ready to stab him in the back, and all he has to do then is reappear. He, he could cloak his appearance. Now, when it comes to thinking about the spirit world, think of it along these lines, okay? I can't see it, but I know it's there. See, I know what the Bible teaches, and I know what God says. And it's just as real that they are present, but I can't see them. Now, think of it as cloaking or whatever, you know. Um, they're just not pres- uh, visible. There were situations in the Bible where God would allow man to see, peer into the spirit world for just a moment. And the things that they saw were just phenomenal. There is a battle going on all around us. And what takes place is beyond our comprehension, and I don't fully understand it, but I know that it's there. And I know that from Scripture and what we're going to see today, that is that we are indeed in a spiritual fight. And you and I are always, and I get this, we are always under attack. And you think to yourself, well, I've never been under attack. I've never seen or encountered anything that would be classified as demonic or spiritual or something like that. Well, here's how it happens. Think about the temptations that you've faced, the ideas that have popped into your mind, the sinful thoughts, the actions that all of a sudden you think, I really want to do this. Why do I want to do this all of a sudden? I've never wanted to do this before. You know, a man's been faithful to his wife for many years and goes on a business trip, and all of a sudden in the moment he makes an ungodly decision that affects his life forever and destroys his family. And you think to yourself, you look back on that, and you say, man, I don't know what happened. Well, this is what God's telling you. He knows what happened. You gave in. Some of us get hooked on habits, addictions, drugs, and alcohol, and immorality. We have a poor self-image that dictates how we live and choices that we make. We have doubts and fears and lust and greed. All of these things... Somehow the connection between us and the world around us, there's a connection. Can't explain it. Don't know how it works. But somehow that world interferes in some way in my thought life and coerces me to do things, not forces me. Understand that. But lures me away much like what Satan did with Eve in the garden casting doubts on what God has said and what is true and so forth. And here's the problem that we have today. Whenever we think about things like that, we think to ourselves, okay, I can deal with this. You know, I can fight this. I can deal with this. I can stand up against it because I'm educated. I know better. I've studied that. I'm successful. 
I'm gifted. I'm sharp. I'm a leader. I'm a fighter. Satan's not going to do that to me. And the next thing you know, boom, you've fallen. Because that's not the way you fight the battle. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians, and this is just kind of a precursor to what we're going to talk about, okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church about the spirit world and the battle that you're in. Now watch what he says. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, that's interesting. It's a battle that you don't understand, and it's something that if you're not careful, you're going to approach it the wrong way. He says, on the contrary, talking about the weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, let's look at this for a moment because I really want to look at verse 4. That's where I want to key in. He says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, well, look at this now, don't miss it, divine power. Divine power means the power of God. Now, you need to realize this. I'm in a spiritual fight. I cannot fight this battle. I am ill-equipped to do this as a human being. I can't. If it were left up to me by myself without the power of God, the divine intervention, I'm doomed because I, I cannot fight this, and neither can you. But it says the battle or the weapons that you have are divine. They come from God. To demolish strongholds. Now, see, we look at that, and the immediate thought is that it's talking about the place where the demons live, the strongholds, their, their, their forts. I mean, we have all these conjured-up ideas. And none of that is true. Because you know what the strongholds are? The strongholds are in you. You see, here's what happens. If you, if you were to talk to a general that was leading his army, here's what they would, they would say. The battle plan is this. We need to get a foothold against the enemy. We need to dig in. We need to get our armies ready, our armament in place, and then we need to move forward in a concerted effort, so to speak. And so what happens with us is this. God says you need to set up a spiritual perimeter around your life and around your family. It's your armor that you're going to be using, he says. But now here's the problem, because see, we give in. We face a temptation, and all of a sudden there's a crack over here in the, in the perimeter. And what happens is the spiritual entities begin to tempt, to begin to lure away. We make ungodly decisions, and all of a sudden, what has happened is they've got a foothold into your life. It's called a stronghold. And what he's saying is this, that your armament, your weapons, are to tear those down. And now, you've got to rethink this, okay? Because that's, that's me that has the stronghold, I have allowed it to happen. And now God says, put on the armor, take, make use of the spiritual weapons I've given you, and you will then tear down the strongholds and plug up the fence again. And guys, let me tell you, as a Christian, that's what we want. We want that perimeter strong. We want the hedge around our lives strong. 
And in order to do that, we have to use the armament that God has given us. Now, the enemy is a spirit. It is not flesh, so it makes it very difficult. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I tear these strongholds down? Well, first of all, you don't. Now, this is important. The power and so forth that you have that you're working with is spiritual in nature. It is divine. You don't tear down anything. God does it. And see, this is why it keeps talking about the divine power here. The enemy is a spirit. I can't fight the spirit, but God can. If I put on the armament and my, my house is in order, then God stands strong on my behalf because I've shut the hole up. I'm not letting anything in. And that's really what the Christian life and the spiritual warfare is about. is about plugging up the holes and preventing the strongholds. Preventing those addictions. Preventing those sinful habits. Not letting them take foothold in my life. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the one that lives inside of you. Understand this, that the Spirit of God living in us as believers is greater and stronger than anything the spirit world has to throw at you. If that is the case, then there's no excuse for any of us not being able to stand strong in the face of temptation and in all of these things we have to deal with. Because spiritual warfare is a battle that has already been won. Now with that in mind, listen, with that in mind, let's jump into this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What does that verse tell you? It tells you that the power is spiritual power. It's not yours. The power to fight this fight comes from God. It is divine. It is spiritual in nature. In verse 11, he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now notice the weapons, the armor. Is your weaponry. He's, he's likening, likening this to a soldier. And he, he, he describes this like that. But he says the weapons that you have are spiritual in nature. The armor of God. I have got to arm myself with an armament that is spiritual in nature so that God fights with his power the battle that I'm facing. Now, guys, this is what is so wonderful about this. God never sent you out there and said, now defend yourself. God said, just look to me now, plug up these holes that you've created with your own choices, and watch me fight on your behalf. And that's what he does. And the weapons, according to the Scripture, are of God. Listen to verse 12 now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I'm I'm moving through this a little quickly. I don't want to get bogged down in this because it's easy to do that. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, like watch, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the heavenly realms are not talking about heaven, where you're going to go when you die. Heavenly realms is, is another way of looking at the spirit world, the realms of, hev- of, of, of heavenlies, the spirit world, where the spirits live. So here it is, this saying to you and me that the enemy that we face is spiritual in nature. Everything about this, he's telling you this is a spiritual fight. The power, the enemy, the weapons, it's all spiritual. And so guys, your education is not going to get you through this. Your wisdom is not going to do the trick. 
your cunning, your smartness, your achievements in life, whatever it may be, mean nothing. Because when it comes to this fight, it's all spiritual. Now here's the second thing that I want you to see. Number two is this. The objective is to be standing when the attack is over. Here's the objective. See, people talk about spiritual warfare and they go out thinking, okay, I've got to go chase down demonic people and run Satan ragged. Nowhere. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. This is not spiritual warfare. Watch what this is saying as we look at this passage. It says in verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now notice this. I put on this armor, this spiritual armament, for what reason? So I can go chase down Satan. No. So that you can stand when he comes. The goal of this whole procedure is that you can stand without falling and giving in. This is spiritual warfare. Watch verse 13. In verse 13 he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, here it is, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Now folks, let me tell you something. God never said for you and me as Christians to be on the attack you got to understand this, because sometimes I think we've been led astray. We've been taught things that aren't really biblical about how you do spiritual warfare as if we go out somewhere and beat Satan up. Good luck with that, you know. But spiritual warfare has everything to do with standing your ground. God says, I'm going to fight. Your job is to stand and stop knocking holes in this perimeter, because that's what you do every time you make an ungodly decision. And see, we do that all the time in strongholds and footholds, satanic things creep into our lives. And we look at our lives years down the road thinking, how did I get here? Well, it began with that first thing you chose to do. So this is what we're, we're talking about here. The objective in this fight is that you don't get knocked down, that you stand. Now, isn't it interesting that... Whenever we talk about somebody falling into sin, that's the terminology we use. No, they were standing strong, but then they fell into sin. That man was standing strong, and then he fell into immorality. See, the opposite of standing is falling, and this is what happens to too many Christians. Too many of us end up, we were standing strong and doing so well, and then something comes along that knocks us down. And we're, we're kind of spiritually out of it. God says, your, your goal here is just to stay on your feet spiritually and not let Satan do that to you. He doesn't have to. I think this is one of the hardest things for us as Christians to learn, that Satan doesn't have the power over you that he once had. And I have to stand against the influence that's still there, It always will be as long as I live in this body. But victory can be ours. God said so. And sometimes we get the idea that once you get knocked down that you're done. Not true. What do you do when you fall? 
get up. This is the beauty of grace. That God says when he knocks you down, I'm standing here beside you. Now get up and let's stand again. Let's put the armor back on. Let's do it again until you learn how to live your life and stand against the forces of evil. Now this brings me to number three, the point number three that I want to make here, thing that you need to understand, and that is that you have to put the armor on every day. You have to put this armor on every day. So this is where we get practical here, okay? We've talked about this armor being of God. It's God's way of dealing with Satan's attacks, the spirit world coming against you. You have the power to do it. It's God's power. You have the armor to do it. The problem is, and this is true of me and every one of you, is that sometimes we don't put it all on. See, we don't put it all on. This is why he keeps saying, put the full armor on. So we come now to verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Two things are mentioned here. And I'm not going to get bogged down to all these long descriptions, but just listen. Number one is truth. He said you put on the belt of truth. It's part of the, the armament of a soldier. Truth is just knowing truth from error. How can I stand against a spirit being if I am susceptible to believing lies that they tell me? Guys, you know, I've had people sit in front of my, my desk in my office before, and, and they're off on a tangent believing something that is so outlandish. I don't love my spouse anymore, and I'm going to leave them. And I know this is what God wants because God wants me to be happy. Scripture on that, please. Give me a verse. Where did you get that? Well, I just feel it. Well, where did that feeling come from? Where did that lie come from? And so part of the armament, this armor of mine, is truth. I've got to know what is true and what isn't because so much of what we hear today isn't true. And so here's how you put it on. You're not going to know it if you don't know what's in the book. And so here's what I advise people, okay? Here's step number one, the first piece. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to know what God says is true, what isn't true, what's right and what isn't right. And in order to do that, you need to study it. Guys, there's no substitute for studying your scriptures. There's no substitute for reading good books. There's no substitute for being part of a good church, learning and being taught. There's no substitute for that. So I tell people every morning or some point in your day, you ought to spend at least a few minutes studying the Scripture or some devotional where you're learning truth. That's how you put on truth. And over time, you begin to grow and mature and become stronger. Now here's the other piece of armor that's mentioned here in this passage, and that is the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, the breastplate of righteousness. Well, he's talking about your lifestyle. He's saying to you and me that when you don't live the way that I have told you to live, you live unrighteously, you are knocking a hole in your wall and you're letting these influences come into your life. This is why he says here to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Every addiction that people struggle with began with one first ungodly choice. That's how it began. 
And then you kept giving into it and kept giving into it, and the stronghold grew bigger and bigger. And inside your camp, Satan had a stronghold, a fort. That's an addiction. It's something that I'm weak at, that I always go back to. And I keep doing it over and over. Some of you guys are addicted to pornography. Some of you are addicted to substance abuse. Some of you are addicted to sex. Some of you are addicted to uh, power. I mean, that's all pride, all kind of things. And, And here's the armament, see. God says that you have to make a concerted effort and a choice. And I tell people, look, every morning when you get up, here's what you do. You go to the Lord and you say, Lord, today I'm, going to, I'm in for it. I know it's coming. I know I'm going to be attacked. I know I'm going to have all kinds of temptations. And Lord, right now I am making a commitment that I'm going to walk with you in obedience today. That I'm going to live righteously today. Lord, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But today, today I do. And you see, part of the armament is me putting on this commitment to live my life the way God said live it. It's righteousness. In verse 15, look at what he says. He says, And with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What is that one talking about? Well, here's what I think. I think that he's talking about part of your armament being the giving out of what you know. The sharing of your faith. In other words, this he's saying you have your feet ready to go and to go and share the gospel. Now, folks, you don't have to go to a foreign country, okay? When you're at work and somebody is hurting and their life is falling apart and marriage is down the tubes, that you can go to them and tell them, you know what, I know that God loves you. And I know that God will be there for you. Let me tell you what he's done for me. You're sharing, folks. That's what he's talking about. When somebody feels unloved and unwanted and outcast in society and nobody wants to have anything to do with them because of who you are and what you know to be true, you go up and you put your arms around them and you reassure them that God loves them. No matter what you've done, God loves you and so do I. And I'm here for you to help you in any way that I can. What you are doing is spreading and sharing the gospel. When you go on a, a bite the bullet and go on a prison ministry weekend like we encourage people to do, folks, you're going to share the gospel. You're taking it out. Now, this is important because, you see, we don't look at it this way. We look at this as a drudgery, something we don't feel comfortable doing. God said that it is part of your armor. You know why? You guys tell me. Whenever you share your faith with somebody, how do you feel spiritually? Do you feel close to God? Do you feel like God's presence is right there with you? Every time I've ever been involved in sharing my faith or been able to talk to somebody about the Lord, and boy, especially if they make a decision to come to Christ, oh, gosh, it's like the Spirit of God just pours out all over you. Satan not going to get within 100 miles of you then. There's no way you're going to give in to some temptation or knock a hole in your wall or make some ungodly decision. The Spirit's being poured out all over you. This is part of your armor. And so you put it on by being open with your faith, sharing. And like I said, it doesn't have to be some elaborate theological discussion. Just love people. Just love people. Let God use you the way that he wants to. 
Verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. Now, here's what I think that he's talking about. The reference to the extinguishing of all the flaming arrows are all the lies that come your way. You're going to be bombarded daily with all the lies. Hey, you need that. You deserve that. That would feel so good. Wouldn't that be great? Those other people that are in your life, they don't understand you. You ought to pursue that. All of these temptations and these lies that come your way tell you to be angry, be greedy, be prideful, be selfish. All of these things. And it's because of my faith that to say this. I stand before them and I say, in effect, that I'm trusting in the Lord no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm tempted to do. I am trusting that God's way is better and my whole life crumbles around me. If my loved ones pass away, become ill, or there's a disaster that hits me, I'm trusting in Him because I know that in the end this is better and is right. And in the end, I'll be stronger for having done it. See, this is so opposite from so many things that we do. Boy, hard times come, we crumble. We get mad at God. And you know what? We usually drop out of church. I've never understood that one. I didn't do anything to you. You know? Why are you leaving us? We didn't hurt you. If you're mad at God, be mad at God. But don't be mad at us. Good grief. But sure enough, that's what happens. Get angry at God, so I leave the church. And at that moment, we've been knocked down. We're not standing. So faith, just to believe what God has said in every situation. The helmet of salvation is in verse uh, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, people ask this. They say, well, is this talking about you just being sure you're saved every day? No. This is knowing you're saved every day. See, it's the assurance of it. It's like you put on the helmet. You know, here they come, Lord. The enemy's climbing over the walls. Here they come. The temptations, those foolish lies, those things that I get bombarded with. And, Lord, this one thing I know. I know that whatever comes my way, you have told me that you love me. And that no matter what happens out here on this battlefield, Lord, you'll never leave me. I have that assurance. And the helmet of salvation is placed on my head as part of my armor because I know what I know to be true. And guys, let me tell you something. One of the biggest attacks that the spirit world is going to launch at you individually, at the church collectively, is in the area of God's grace. It's all about works. You got to do this. You got to be this person. You got to act this way or God won't love you. And he gets attacked all the time. And if you don't know with full assurance that Jesus Christ died for you, if you don't know that that alone is enough to get you to heaven, that that alone is an exhibition of God's love toward you, if that alone is your security, then you're going to be tossed all around with doubts and fears. The helmet of salvation is the assurance of who you are. I know who I am in Christ. And guys, it's not because David McGee is a preacher or a good man or a righteous man because I'll tell you right now, David McGee isn't always that man. But I know who died for me. I know who saved my soul. I know who 
made me perfect in his sight. I know what grace is. If I know that, I can face anything. And I'll tell you right now, part of the problem with we as Christians and why we fall so many times is because of this misunderstanding of the grace of God. We just don't understand it. And until we do, we're going to struggle. But that's part of the armament. Every day, here's what I would tell you to do. Get up, and as you read the Bible, to get prepared with truth, um, read a couple of verses on salvation and say, Lord, thank you for this truth. And I'm going to face the day with this truth that God so loved the world. That's me. That he gave his only son. That's Jesus. That whosoever believes in him, Lord, that's me again, has eternal life, will never perish. Thank you. Just remind yourself of that. Then you're ready to face the day. Here's the, the next one that's mentioned there in that same verse in verse 17 is the Word of God. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, can you just imagine, here you've got an image of a soldier wielding a sword. This is the reason we sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek refer to the Bible as the sword sometimes because of this verse. But you'll be able to take it and you'll be able to use it, see. It's one thing to know the truth of what it says. It's another thing to apply it. With the sword, you are taking the Word of God, the truth of Scripture, and you're being able to apply it. You're knowing what it means, and you're able then to apply it to your life. Look, some of you ought to be teaching. You really should. You ought to be coming alongside somebody and mentoring. You really should. And so the sword of the Lord is for that purpose. I take the sword, the word of God, and I use it in the lives of people around me. That's part of my armament. Because when I'm involved in things like that, Satan's nowhere to be found. Here's the last one, and that is prayer. And this is the reason why I've included this message in this series. Now watch. In verse 18. Now see, we usually stop at verse 17. When we're talking about the armor of God, we stop at verse 17. And we make a mistake in doing so because verse 18 goes with it. Because of the conjunction, and. He's saying, I've given you all this armor, put it on, put it on, put it on. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is, is what holds it together. I bathe it in prayer. This is where the power comes from, folks. It's because I'm constantly in the presence of God in prayer throughout the day. Remember when I told you a month or so ago we were in this series? And I told you that one of the things that's so unique about prayer and why I think that God treasures it so much is because of the process. In other words, we're, we are results-oriented. We want to pray and see something happen. And when it doesn't happen, we get mad and, and just stop praying. God, on the other hand can give us whatever we need or want at the drop of a hat. He's more interested, not so much in the result, as he is the process. God values the time with us. God values the process of me coming to him, sitting at his feet, not only praying, but listening. Lord, show me. What am I to do today? Lord, give me instruction on how to deal with this problem. 
Now, here's why I think that prayer is part of the armament, okay? When I am at the feet of the Lord, you feel so close. You feel the presence of God. When I am at the feet of the Lord, I'm not out knocking holes in my defenses. When I'm at the feet of the Lord, I don't go out making ungodly choices. Here's what inevitably will happen. People will get away from that. You'll get away from prayer, and you begin to slide back. It's like the, arm, the armor isn't on like it should be. And then the attack comes, and I'm weakened. And the next thing you know, I have succumbed to one of these temptations, these little ideas that pop into my mind, these little desires that we all have. And the next thing you know, I look back and I think, my gosh, how did I get here? Well, what happened to that, that piece of the armor? See, this is why we're putting such an emphasis on prayer. The Wednesday night prayer thing. One of the things coming up here in the next few weeks is we're going to do a 24-hour, around-the-clock prayer time for a week long. In other words, what you we're going to ask you to do, and you can start signing up for this here in a couple of weeks, pick a 30-minute segment of time throughout the day. I am not a 12 midnight to 5 a.m. person, so some of you take those times, okay, because I'm not. But they need to be taken, and we'll give you a sign-up place where you can put your name. All we're asking is this, that during that half-hour segment, you get up and pray. Some of you guys wake up early. Some of you go to bed late. Some of you can take those times easier than others. But for a week, we're going to bombard God in the throne of of heaven with the prayers of his people, praying for anything that comes to mind, anything that that, uh, needs to be prayed for, but especially for our church. Okay, why are we doing that? Because this is the armor of God. See, this is the armor of God. And what I want our church to do and what we all need to do is to be standing. See, to be standing. When the day is done and the attacks have come, that God looks at us and there we stand. We didn't fall. You didn't fall. We stood strong in the power of the Lord because we had our armor on. And all of these Christian disciplines that I've mentioned here That's my armor. That's my defense. Now let me review just very quickly those seven things, okay? The armor consists of truth. It consists of righteousness. Consists of outreach. It consists of faith. Assurance. The application of scripture. And prayer. That's my armor. And when everything's said and done, God says, when all else has come to pass now, I want to look down there, and when the onslaught has taken place, I want to see you standing. I want to see you standing. You know, there's an interesting verse, and I, I just this just popped into my head, so I may quote it wrong, but just bear with me, okay? Jesus is talking to Peter, and you look back into the Gospels and find it for yourself. I'm not sure where it is, but he's talking to Peter. And he says to him, he says, Peter, Satan has requested that he be allowed to sift you like wheat. And I said, yes. And Peter, when you have been turned around, when you've gone through this, and you're still standing, 
I want you to strengthen your brothers. Guys, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to ruin your life, ruin your testimony, ruin your family, ruin your health, ruin everything about you. We go through these attacks. Sometimes we give in, sometimes we don't. But when we've stood strong, or even when we failed in the past and we're getting back on track again, one of the most important things that you can do is to encourage each other. To stand strong. The Bible, as we've looked at it this morning, says to put on the full armor. You can't pick and choose. You can't just choose the ones that you like or are easy. Because this is what grows you. This is what strengthens you. This is where maturity comes from. When I put on this full armor, when I am everything that God wanted me to be, so that I can stand against what's coming. That's what God wants from you and me. A church full of Christians that can just stand against the attack. Let's be that church. Let's be that people. And let's honor God with our lives. You know, you may be here this morning, and if I were to ask you, if you died right now, what would happen to you? You may not know the answer to that. Let me take just a minute a moment, and share something with you. I'm running long on time. I know that. Let me just bear, bear with me, okay? In this passage, I want to read it. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Hebrews 10, 14. It says this. For by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, it's talking about Jesus, that he offered one sacrifice, and by that sacrifice, when you come to him and put your faith in that, he makes you perfect forever. You say, now, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not perfect. I could look at my life and say, yeah, I know, I can too. I'm the same way. I can look at my life and know that I'm not perfect. But you missed the point. Because what God has done is he has declared you to be perfect. Wow. Yeah, you see, when God forgave your sin, he forgave it all. From the time of your birth to the time of your death, at some point in there, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he declares you to be perfect in his sight. Wait a minute, preacher, what about this sin? Or what about the sin that might happen in my life next month? It's forgiven. What do you mean? How can God forgive you for something you haven't done? Grace. Just sheer grace. The blood of Jesus covered it from birth to death. I accept it. I have it all. It's a package deal. He has made perfect forever those who are coming to him and being made holy. Believers. Now, you sit here this morning and you say to yourself, well, wait, I don't know if I'm, if I were to die right now, that I would go to heaven. I don't know if I'm really forgiven. This is what the gospel message is, that Jesus died on a cross for you. And he paid for all of your sins. But preacher, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God says to you from his word, I died for it all. Yes. If you will put your faith in that, if you'll trust in that, then I will give you eternal life. I'll forgive you, cleanse you, and I'll declare you to be perfect in my sight. Why would you not jump at a deal like that? Why would you not jump at that? 
that God in His grace did that for you. Guys, right now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. You may be sitting here this morning lost. You came in here as an unbeliever. You came in here with many doubts about who you are and who God is and all of these things. But you leave her today as a believer, as a Christian, as a child of God, simply by putting your faith in what he's done for you. Right here where you sit is very simple. You choose to believe it. Right there where you are. I'm not going to have you come up here. I'm not going to, we don't do that here. I'm not out to, to make a spectacle of you. Right there where you sit, just turn to God and say, Lord, right now I am believing this. Right now I'm trusting in you. Right now I'm choosing you. Let me lead you in a prayer. The prayer won't save you, but it just hopefully reflects the faith that's in your heart. It goes like this. Just follow along in your own heart there. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've shamed you. But I believe what the Bible says. Jesus died on a cross for me. And he rose from the dead to prove it. All my sins are paid for. Thank you, Father, for loving me that much. The Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise to you. And right here where you sit this morning, if you are calling upon the Lord in faith, then God is a free gift has saved you. It's a gift. Like I said, I don't have you come forward, so just relax. But I do want to know who you are. I have a special gift I'll give you when you come up here later on after the service. I would ask you to come up after everybody's leaving and come on up here. I've got a book I want to give you. But I want you just to let me know that I've made it clear enough for you to understand. By slipping your hand up and saying, Pastor, you can include me in your prayer. Because I'm trusting in Jesus Christ right now. Anyone at all, God bless you. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm trusting you this morning. Anyone at all, Pastor, pray for me. I'm trusting in him this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the armor that you give us, Lord, the truth, the reality that we're in a spiritual fight, but you've won it already. Lord, help us to stand. That's the challenge you give us. Just help us to stand. Help us to be strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.